0: Well, there we go. Pull out your family news bulletin because there is so much stuff going on and I I messed up big time in the first service because Jen, I forgot to just tell you guys how incredible these decorations look. Is that did they do a really good job? So that was Jen and the Cam team and all those guys. But anyway, pull out your family news bulletin and um so much stuff going on, Christmas season things. Um, you can read all the details there about the Women's Ornament Exchange and the Christmas concert on the 9th and the Christmas Eve service um, and all the details there. But a couple of things I wanted to just really highlight. Um, the longer flyer thing that came in there, you can pull that out. Um, Two or three weeks ago, as a staff, we brought uh, Gina, who is the manager of our food pantry, and brought her over to staff meeting and said, what do you need the most during this Christmas season? And uh, she laid out a couple of things, but she said, you know what? The thing that we just cannot keep on the shelves is just over-the-counter medication kind of stuff, cough syrup and pain relievers and things like that. And so we said, well, we want to help out with that. So out in that sleigh that's in the corner out there in the foyer is a green receptacle and uh, some between now and the the end of the year if you could next time you go to CVS or Walmart or whatever just pick up there's listed there some examples uh, Advil and Tylenol and cough syrup and stuff like that Um, just pick an extra one or two up and and put them in there and uh, we'll go take those over every week to the food pantry because they do such an impactful job in our community and uh, we want to help them out with that. Well, before I get going in this morning's lesson, uh, Jeff just encouraged me uh, since I was speaking this morning to uh, get out the brag file and talk about um, a program that we started. He's talked a little bit about this and you've seen displays out there about archery. Uh, But I wanted to tell you kind of the full story because it really is an incredible story and you'll have to. I want you to filter out all of the Kevin did this and Kevin did that because it's really not about me, but it's about the, the vision that our church has and the unleashing of our incredible imagination and our ingenuity here at Grace Chapel. It's just an example of this, the, the things that we are able to accomplish here. Now, uh, this is the story. Uh, last summer, Ben Steiger, who is founder and president of Harley Outdoors, and I uh, wanted to start an archery program for youth uh, from, through Heart of the Outdoors. And so we invited the Ohio State um, Department of Natural Resource guy down, and he did a class and certified us as instructors for the National Archery in the Schools Program. And so then we started an archery outdoor weekly thing for youth um, out at Heart of the Outdoors headquarters. And then um, I helped him... Uh, teach a Salvation Army camp at Camp Swinecki and in an exchange he helped me during our camp over here in the summertime our outdoor camp and we did some archery things and and uh, and I began to think you know what we could do we could do something really really cool over here and develop this into something bigger and uh, not necessarily better but bigger and more impactful for our community and so uh, we were able to find a, real, a gracious donor who helped us purchase the equipment, all the bows and arrows and targets and the Kevlar net and all that kind of stuff, so that we could have our own program here. And I began to advertise um, this after-school program and uh, try to recruit some kids here at Grace Chapel. Well, there was, there was a good response to that, and we started an after-school time. Well, that quickly uh, got very popular, and I thought, you know what, well, we could expand this and, and just make it even bigger. So I called the principal of Mason Middle School, or Mason, yeah, Mason Middle School, and I talked to her and I said, uh, hey, I would love to come over and talk to you about bringing archery to your school and teaching some of the kids. And, and she said, well, yeah, we, we'd love to hear you out, and so come on. And so we made an appointment. I went over there and I ended up in, in a meeting with, with her and the activities director and two PE teachers. Well, this was basically my message. I said, archery is hugely popular amongst our young people these days and partly because of movies like Hunger Games and Brave and the Avengers all have archers in them. And I said, kids love archery. Everybody can do it. You don't have to be tall, short, skinny, fat, boy, girl. Everybody can do archery and and it's very popular. You guys don't have archery equipment. We do. And besides... I was voted one of the coolest guys east of the Rocky Mountains, and so you should allow me to come teach archery at your school. And she said, I can't argue with those facts, so you should come on. So we went over there, Kurt Cook and I, Kurt Cook from here at church, and I and, and, and Ben Steiger, went over there. In two days, we taught over 1,100 kids archery. And uh, it was an incredible time. Just, I, I want you to get the full impact of what I'm telling you here. Here's a church that gets invited to come bring weapons into a public school. And while they're there to tell people, the kids about Adam and Eve and how God kind of started archery, let that sink in for a little bit. I want you to, I want to read a letter. I asked that teacher, I said, Hey, could you send me a uh, kind of a testimonial so that I can go to other schools and kind of this, will, this letter will help, help me get into the door. And she went over and above. And again, I want you to filter out. She uses my name a lot here just because I was the one that was there. But filter out that. And I want you to read. I want you to listen to the message that she is. is uh, and, and tell me if this does not just ring an absolute bell with what Jeff has been talking about during this Touch One series and about the ingenuity of Grace Chapel. This comes from uh, Ellen Humphrey, Mason Middle School. I'm writing this letter to you uh, to let you know what an excellent job Kevin did with his presentation of archery in Mason Middle School students. Kevin came in with all the necessary equipment and a well-planned presentation. He met with us twice prior to his presentation so that we could be well-prepared Safety, of course, was our number one concern, and I have to say that Kevin was extremely conscientious when it came, comes to this, which is very unusual for me. I'm not like a real safety-conscious guy, so that was hard. But anyway, uh, we discussed different setup options during the num- uh, along with the number of students involved in each class, and Kevin was able to make the suggestions about the best way to get the job done. He thought of every last detail. We were able to introduce the sport to 1,100 students in two days, Kevin ran the entire lesson from beginning to end. He taught eight bells both days. He he presented in a way that kept every student interested, enthusiastic, and very attentive to safety instructions. We were able to give every student an opportunity to shoot a bow. And when I say every student, this includes our entire special needs population as well as the students with behavioral issues. We run a 43-minute class period, and I have never felt rushed or at risk in any way. Needless to say, I was quite impressed with all of this. The students were thrilled with this opportunity. They were still talking about it two days after. I had students who had been absent come up to ask if we were ever going to get to do it again. The combination of -of state-of-the-art equipment and Kevin's teaching and instruction made it possible for every student to feel success in their attempt to shoot the bow. Kevin's passion for archery and outdoor sports came through in his presentation. I would highly recommend bringing this program into your school. It reaches every student, and it is very touching to see how some of our non-typical PE students came alive through this process. And she goes on from there about how to contact her. But that, I think, is just an incredible story about our church touching our community ...with something incredibly popular. So we started out with one time slot on Tuesday. That quickly filled up. And because of going over there, we started a second one. Then that quickly filled up. And then I was able to take this letter to Lebanon Junior High. And, uh, and David, Mead, and I went and uh, taught 500 kids at Lebanon Junior High. So we had to open a third time slot. And now uh, we're going back to Lebanon High School to teach the freshmen a week from Friday... And I'm in talks with a date with the Lakota Junior High Schools and uh, and Kings Junior High, and so it's entirely possible that by the end of this year we will have been in front of over 5,000 students in the public school from our church. It's just incredible, and it's all because of the culture that uh, we have around here of ingenuity and of 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 dreams and living big and living outside of ourselves in order to touch. Not one, but a whole bunch. And uh, so we are, this is Emma. I want to introduce you to Emma. She's a Lebanon junior high student. Emma is severely uh, challenged physically and mentally. Emma cannot talk. Emma has trouble with moving her limbs and her hands. But with my help, she could hold onto that bow and she could pull that string back. And when she let go of that string and an arrow stuck into the target, Emma, who could not talk, she could hoop and holler. And all of the kids around her could hoop and holler with her, and she was so excited. There was a guy with uh, severe Down syndrome, this uh, uh, Mexican-American young man with Down syndrome. And he would shoot that arrow, and every time it was stick in, he'd turn to his teacher, and he'd go, Roar! like that. And it was so fun to, to be with those kids, leaking Jesus all over them and uh, leaving them saturated with Jesus goo. It was awesome, and uh, David was able to participate in that. It was so fun. Um, we call our club His Pins, His Pins Archery here at Grace Chapel. The significance of that name and that logo is that that represents a sight that on your bow, and the pins that come in from the side of an archery bow help you aim that bow. So you would have a pin set at, like, say, 10, 15, 20-yard pins, and in the archery world, you would say, "Well, what pin are you using if you 're shooting at a target that 's ten yards away, you use the ten yard pin and vice and you know, on from there well so we 're t- teaching the kids so in your life and i there 's a bunch of these little guys out here that are in our his pins archery club. We talk to them about well what pin are you using when you talk to your pin, mom and dad when you talk to your neighbors, when you talk to your friends at school, what pin are you using? Are you using his pins, his pins of love and And kindness and and that sort of thing. I want to read one more short email. This comes from Nicole Miller, who's a parent of one of the students at His Pins Archery. says, I wanted to give you a heads up because I'd be mailing in Laney and Audrey's registration to you for our winter session. Both have enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed being a part of the program. We can't wait to continue their participation. I've been looking for an archery program for Laney for the past two years. The programs I found were typically summer camps and the program's that included archery only a part of what they were offering not only was Laney not interested in some of the other activities but the camps were not local and they were often pricey. Thanks so much for putting together a program that definitely fills a void in this area. Laney loves his pins not only is she learning about archery but she's also learning about living a christ centered life having fun. And making friends along the way. It's a blessing indeed that she can be a part of his pins. And um, so just a little bit out of the, the Grace Chapel brag file. It's fun, incredible to do ministry around here because of the, the imagination that we all have. And you guys are a part of that. Well, as we get uh, toward our lesson this morning, I want to play a little game first. And David, wherever David is, is going to come on up here. Come on up, David. And woohoo, David. <laughs> now, let's go into a game called Film Dub. What happens is you turn the volume down like we're going to do in this little film clip here and then they have to make up their own words to the scene they're going to see. Whoa. Voice over here. Yeah. You ready? Hey. Here we go. Anybody seen this show before? <laughs> oh, young Okay, I gotta straighten my hair up because I want my spiritual antennas to come out of it. Oh, there they are. My am I antennas? Oh, I've never seen them before oh yeah, that helps me pay attention. Okay, yeah. see this box? Hey David, see this box? Yeah. I can hear people's... What, what, what pe- kind of box is yeah, that? Yeah, well, what is that? It's, it's, it's a box where I can hear people's motivations and their their. There are hurts oh. and everything in this box. And oh. hey, hey, what's that piece of paper you're holding? Now? Oh, this is a seating chart for the uh, the entire auditorium here Ooh, in the church. cool. Oh, that's oh. awesome because I can pick up signals. Oh. And uh, I think I hear oh. a person in Golly. row two, will agree Oh yeah, okay, right check here. That out. Oh the, yeah, that lady uh, with a weird yeah, sweater on. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah well, not her. The other lady. Oh, oh. But uh, but yeah, right I here. think that lady is having some trouble at home. Yeah, we look, should go talk to her. Looks like she's hurting really uh, bad. I can't. In, in believe. fact, I can. I think I can boost the signal. You think I can boost the signal so maybe I can. Okay, I think I can. am well, so What about the phone here? What's going on huh? with that phone? Oh, yeah. There's like this thing in the phone, <laughs> and I can put it into my little radar thing and make it twice as strong. That's okay, watch this. Check it out. Very Christian of you. Ooh yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Row 8, seat 14. Mm-hmm. Look that up. I, I think that's my mom. What's going on with your mom? <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Have a good day. David Mead, everyone. Oh, what a weirdo. Okay. About, uh, well, 2004 was an interesting year in the life of uh, Kevin and Kim Schwiger. My wife, Kim, who plays the bass up here, if you don't know her. But uh, she and I were feeling called of God to plant a church in Lebanon, Ohio. And uh, we wanted this church to be different than just your... Typical average run of the mill churches, Uh, partly because of uh, a study. There was another church in Lebanon, a Baptist church. I was friends with the pastor there and they were planning on moving from their present location that was near the the center of Lebanon out to kind of the outskirts. And so they paid a whole bunch of money to have this uh, demographic study marketing kind of group come in and and do this study on all of the demographics of Lebanon, all that kind of stuff. Well, one of the things that they asked people, you know, income and number of people in their family, all that kind of stuff. But one of the things they asked was, do you have a connection with a local church? They didn't ask, do you attend regularly? But they asked, do you have some sort of link or connection with a local church? Well, only three out of 10 people in that area said, yes, I have a a connection with a local church. And he shared that with me. And I thought, man, that's really incredible. I don't, that just doesn't sound right. I could understand three out of people, people attending maybe regularly, but, but anyway, that was an incredible statistic for me. So anyway, we, we gathered a couple of couples and we formed this core and we were looking forward to our launch of the new church and planning when and where and all the strategies and stuff like that. And, and we really focused on the fact that we wanted this church to be Uh, different. We wanted this to cater to or to minister to, to be attractive to people who did not have a church background, the unchurched population. And so we prayed every week uh, that God would help us to accomplish that and to to honor him in that respect. So uh, along the way, some way, and I can't remember how long into the process it was, but before we actually launched and uh, we began to think, you know what, all of us, Kim, me, and the other two couples—we are all churchy people. We all grew up in church. We're all very, very comfortable, very familiar with the whole church scene and all that kind of stuff. And if we're going to be ministering to people who are not comfortable with church, then we we need to get to know them. And uh, so we decided, well, we're just going to start knocking on doors and asking, get to know our neighbors. And so, on a Thursday evening at six or six thirty, we met in one neighborhood and and we would knock on the doors and just talk to people and and uh, it was a really frustrating evening because on a Thursday evening, there were less than half of the people were at home to answer their door, so it kind of felt like a little bit of a waste of time well, so we well, maybe if we' go out Monday or Tuesday, so we did that and the same thing just it was frustrating because we weren't accomplishing what we wanted to do. So uh, that time, one of the other guys said, you know what, I wonder what would happen if we went out on Sunday morning at 1030. <laughs> Guess how many people are at home to answer their door on Sunday morning at 1030? Seven out of 10 or more. And uh, so that was an incredible season for like three or four five months straight. We did nothing but knocking on doors on Sunday morning. And we would knock on, here's how it went. We'd knock on the door, hey, my name's so-and-so, we're thinking about starting a new church here in town, we just want to get to know our neighbors, we're not recruiting you for anything, we just want to ask this question, why do you think people don't go to church? The answers that we got blew my socks off. Part really, really exciting for me, part really, really, really indicting of the church Part embarrassing, but just completely rewarding. Of those seven or eight out of ten people that answered their door, I would say that seven or eight out of ten of those people, here's their answer. In one way or another, they would say, interestingly, I would, I would ask, why do you think people don't go to church? They would answer, I don't go to church because church is a foreign, intimidating, scary environment where I feel like I don't belong. Talk about getting hit with a two-by-four. To have someone in your community say, I don't go to church, this place where we feel totally comfortable. I don't go to church because it's a foreign, intimidating, scary environment where I feel like I don't belong. And that was an immensely rewarding time in my life. Very scary, sometimes nerve-wracking, sometimes depressing. (laughs) But ultimately, a really, really cool time in my life. And I learned a lot of lessons from that time. And uh, I want to tell you three, three biggie lessons. I call them lessons from the, for, from the front porch. Uh, more accurate, accurately, it might be lessons from a thousand front porches. The first lesson I learned was that people are much more willing to talk than I am to instigate or to initiate a conversation. People are much more willing to talk to me than I am to initiate the conversation. You know, the lie, here's, here's the lie. The lie says, he probably won't want to talk to me. She probably doesn't want to talk to me. They probably won't want to talk to me. And let me tell you, that is a lie that comes straight from hell. It's an absolute lie. Because once we initiate that conversation, we find out very quickly that the person to whom I'm talking is, is much more willing to talk to me than I am to instigate that. It's all fear-based. We buy into that lie. You know, God says in, in his word in Second Timothy, he says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline, a sound mind. We, we can't walk around with a spirit of fear. That's not from God. So if it's not from God, from where does it come? My second lesson that I learned was that I come away from those conversations at least as blessed as the person to whom I'm speaking. I come away from a conversation at least as blessed. You know, I go into a conversation, I'm, I'm using I, but we we as pastors, we as church people, we as missionaries, we fall into that trap too. We, we go to the mission field, we're going to bless these people. We're going to share this. I'm going to bless whoever I'm talking to whom I'm talking. But the reality is that I come away from those at least as blessed. And it's an incredible time. We would go, we would try to talk each other out of, every, we'd try really hard every week to talk each other out of doing this because it's kind of scary. Well, you know, maybe they don't want to talk and maybe it's not as valuable as we think it is. And all of that is just deceptions. But we would come away jazzed and just giddy talking about the conversations that we had. The third lesson I learned from a thousand front porches, and this is one that has the most lasting impact for me, and was that there is a story behind every door. Literally. There is no such thing as a door that has a family that is perfect and healed and, and has it all together. There's no such thing. There is a story behind every door. We would ask that question. They would say some form of those answers that I told you. But quickly, they would add a caveat to that. And they would say, well, I can't go to church because I have too many tattoos. Or I I can't go to church because I'm divorced. Or I can't go to church because my kid's in jail. Or I can't go. and, And very quickly, those conversations that I thought would just be that they would just close the door on me. I can't tell you how many times I was invited in. Come sit down with me. I want to tell you something. Because every door has a story behind it, including mine, including yours. And, um, you know, the, 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 the Wistoria Lane picture with the white picket fence is so misleading. Because on the outside, things look great and hunky-dory. On the outside, there's so much hurt going on. And it was really for that reason, you know, we found out, we kind of identified why we wanted to plant the church kind of after the fact. God was calling us to do that, and we found out exactly why by doing that. I call it my Popeye moment. Those of you who are old enough to remember the Popeye cartoons, you remember that every episode was pretty much the same, right? Popeye and Olive Oil, they're having fun together. He's liking her, she's liking him, and they're doing their thing. And at some point during the cartoon, um, Brutus starts picking on... Olive oil, right? And trying to woo her away from, uh, from Popeye. And so Popeye starts getting madder and madder and madder and madder. And then at some point in the cartoon, two-thirds of the way in or whatever, what does Popeye say? That's all I can stands. I can stands no more. And he goes and gets his pack, this bag of spinach and he squeezes it. It goes up in the air and into his mouth. And then he grows his muscles. Then he goes and just beats up Brutus. And then all is well in Popeye world. But that's all I can stands. I can stands no more. And I felt myself getting like that in my church experience. I felt like so many pastors, so many church leaders, and I'm not—I'm I'm talking kind of church in general here, kind of a grouping us all in. But so many times, churches and pastors love to say things like, "Our biggest mission field is in our own backyard," and so many of them fail to do number one thing about it. Our biggest mission field is in our own backyard. Let's get out right, and then do nothing about it. Well, this morning, I want to kind of propose going a little deeper. And I want to say that, in reality, one of our biggest mission fields as a church is this within the four walls of the church. But so many times we don't do anything about it. One of our biggest mission fields is you and me, us, inside the walls of our very church. Uh, during this current... Um, Touch One series, Jeff and David a few weeks ago have been talking extensively about uh, every one of us being a minister, every member being a minister and how we can touch one, how we can touch a hurting community, how we can touch a hurting country, how we can touch a hurting world. Well, this morning um, I want to go a little deeper and I want to say that this morning we have the responsibility, we have the ability, we have the opportunity to touch one right here, right inside here, in this building, in this group of people. Remember the three lessons that I learned from the front porches that uh, people are much more willing to talk than I am to, to instigate. At least a blessing, at least as strong, comes out for me than the people to whom I'm speaking. And there's a story behind every door. You know, we put on a brilliant Facade sometimes, and sometimes an impregnable facade as we travel around our world. And here's how it goes. And uh, feel free to feel convicted if you want to. But here's how this goes. The story goes for many of us. We we get out of our car. And uh, we walk up to the front doors and we run into our greeters and uh, he or she greets us with a smile and a handshake. And, hey, how about that weather? What's up with that rain? How you doing this morning? And we say, yeah, good. OK, fine. And then uh, we uh, walk into the lobby here, the foyer, and, and um, we stop by and we talk to people who we are close to people to whom we have something in common, our friends, our best friends. And and we greet them and they say, Hey, what's up with that rain this morning? Did you get wet? How you doing? And we say, good, fine. And then we walk a little further. We go get a bagel and then some coffee. And and then we come back in here. We're going to make our way to our seats. And we come back there and and we shake Kevin's hand. And then we hug Jeff. (laughs) Now, let me stop there. Because I'm getting a complex. You go over there and you're like, hey, Kevin, how you doing? And then you're like, oh, Jeff. (laughs) Anyway, so we do that and then we make it to your make your way to your seat. And then uh, you greet maybe two or three people around your seat. Hey, how you doing? What's up with that rain? How you doing this morning? Oh, fine. Great. Sit down. And we hear a sermon. We worship and it's great. And we go feeling lifted up and and feel something about how we want to change our lives, and then we sing a song at the end, and, and then Jen or Jeff says, hey, have a great Sunday morning, and after that, we make a beeline for the parking lot, pausing to do what, hug Jeff again, and then uh, out to the car, hey, see you next week, okay, that's how it goes, right, we, we walk through these walls, and too often times, we, that's what's happening, and two things are happening meanwhile, The first thing that's happening is that, you included, a lot of times those people who say I'm doing fine are not really doing fine. Fine does not usually mean fine. Uh, Sometimes I feel like I should do this experiment. I'm awful tempted to next time I'm walking down the hall at the Y or in here or whatever. see People say, hey, how are you doing? I'm going to say, hey, my dog just died. (laughs) Or I just stubbed my toe. And chances are, whoever I'm talking to is going to say, oh, yeah, great. See ya." Because we just we yeah, we just we walk through like this too many times. The second thing that's happening is that there are dozens of people that we that I pass by who are also not doing fine. And for each one of those people, if I pass by. And just pass by chances are that 20 people before me have just passed by and 20 people after me have just passed by. All of which say I'm doing fine, but really aren't doing fine. Um, If you've heard me speak before, you realize that every Kevin lesson, there's a Kevin, you're a moron story. And uh, here's the Kevin, you're a moron part. And that is that I am worse than many of you in this respect. I, I am such a... Uh, Kim Kim gives me a hard time all the time. She says, man, you, you'd just be happy to go live in a cave somewhere and never talk to anybody again. And that's, and that's basically, I'm, I'm, I'm a very kind of a loner kind of a guy. And it's difficult for me to to be the extrovert and, and, and that sort of thing. I have to really try hard and, and mo- much of the time fail at doing that. But um, Jeff has said this too, and when you prepare a sermon over and over and over again, week after week after week, what happens is you as the pastor or whoever's doing that gets convicted week after week after week, because I'm busting myself by talking about this. We're all really bad at that, fine doesn't necessarily mean fine. So what's happening is on the outside, we say fine. But on the inside, we're saying, I'm hurting, I need a friend. My car needs new tires and I can't afford them. My mom was just diagnosed with cancer. My husband and I aren't talking. My son just told me last night that he hates me. I think I might lose my job. I'm so tired my eyes hurt. How can a God love somebody like me? I feel like an outcast at school. No matter how hard I try, I can't beat this habit. I feel powerless at work. My parents don't get me. My boyfriend keeps pushing me to go further. My mother-in-law is sick and we just don't know how to handle her. These migraines, they just will not stop and it's starting to scare me. I don't understand why God would let my mom and dad get a divorce. He left me and now I can't afford my rent Last night I found what I think might be a lump in my breast. The credit card people have called five times already this week. My son's teacher says he needs special help. I never get invited to anything. Am I invisible? On the outside we say things are fine. Fine. But fine seldom means fine. And I'm not saying, you know. hear me out here, I'm not saying that all of us go around all day long down in the dumps and bummer, life sucks, I'm hating this, I'm hating that. that. We don't all do that. We have things that are happy, we have things that need to be shared that are joyful, things that are exciting in our lives. But let me tell you, there is a story behind every single set of eyes. And we have a chance through Jesus' strength To be a letter to a person, to two or three people, to leak Jesus, as David said, to just listen, maybe. I uh, spent, uh, I don't know, a handful of years being chaplain for Lebanon Police Department. And I remember I went to a chaplain conference one year, and I remember real vividly going to this this one workshop, and the instructor there said... You know, so often our ministry as chaplains is just call is just a ministry of presence. Sometimes the most valuable thing that we can do is just listen. You know, and gals, you're all over that. You know that's true. Guys, we don't get that. That's hard for us. Sometimes our greatest ministry is just a ministry of presence. It was uh, just a month or so after that conference, I get a call. Uh, a mother from um, lived, lived in a subdivision just this side of Lebanon. So between here and Lebanon, um, a mother had just was taken her teenage boy and girl to Mason here to stay with Grandma and Grandpa while she took her husband to a um, doctor's appointment. He had been struggling through some illness or whatever, and uh, the kids couldn't go. So she brought the kids over here. While she was here in Mason, it, I mean, it was a half an hour 15 minutes, 15 minutes back. During that time, he went down into the basement and blew the back of his head off with a shotgun. So she gets back to her home. Hey, honey, I'm home. Let's go. Hey, honey, I'm home. Let's go. Honey, honey. Goes down into the basement. Now, half an hour after that, I'm sitting on a couch with her trying to figure out what in the world do you say? And I remembered that guy say, you know, a lot of times our ministry is just a ministry of presence. And I was able to minister to that lady just by sitting on her couch with my arm around her saying absolutely nothing. You know, we can touch one sometimes without saying a word. But if we just walk past... You know, she uh, at one point after a long time sitting on that couch... She just stiffened up all of a sudden. She said, oh my God, the kids, they don't know. So I said, just why don't you hop in the car. Let's drive to Mason. I'll go tell the kids with you. Sometimes our greatest ministry is just a ministry of presence. So as we respond to uh, Jesus' call to touch one, how are we going to do that? How, what's that look like? How's it operationally? How's it work? And I'm going to suggest some easy steps here. But I want to look at a scripture first. It comes out of Colossians. This is Colossians 4, 2 through 6. And, and I know that the context here is not exactly uh, what we're talking about. But there are a few phrases here, and I'll point them out, that I want us to pay close attention to. I'm going to read this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful. That's phrase number one, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door. That's another one, open a door to our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the ways you act toward outsiders. Listen to this make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace and seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What I'm suggesting this morning is that we keep our spiritual antennas up, just like my Martian my or my favorite Martian, the guy, his little radar box. you know with our spiritual eyes ready to see, our spiritual ears ready to hear, and our spiritual actions and motivations ready to touch one anytime we can. If we simply walk through church with blinders on, you now we were at a bunch of us were at uh, the Lebanon horse parade uh, last evening hundred or so uh, just beautiful lit up carriages with all sorts of horses from miniatures up to clydesdale's and uh, um, as a horse owner uh, if if your horse is skittish in any way, you put those blinders on, right and you and so that they can't be distracted or scared by something in their peripheral vision. and that's why they do that for horses so that they will remain remain unscared. but that's too many times that's what we do. Right? We go through our life with those blinders on, partly because we don't want to be scared by what we see, partly because we just want to stay to ourselves. But if we do that, we waste huge opportunities that God puts in our paths every single day. So to help us do better at this, I want to suggest five easy steps that uh, that we can do, and they'll mirror back to that uh, scripture that I just read. Number one, first step is just look around. Right? The scripture said, "Be watchful." Just look around. By design, God has placed six, seven hundred people here at Grace Chapel in your path, literally directly in your path. These are people that just like you are created for a purpose, on purpose and in his image. People that need touched just like you. Just look around. You don't even have to try. They're in your path. You'll bump into them. Look around. uh, Don't enter these places these walls with those blinders on kevin quit being a coward and talk to somebody that you don't know quit being a coward talk to somebody you don't know secondly look up god answers prayer doesn't he that's why we talk to him. God answers prayer. So set aside some time each week, maybe right before you get to church, on your drive into church. Set aside some time to ask God to help you, to help open a door. Remember the scripture said, God, open a door. Pray that he'll open a door, that he'll give you the courage to initiate some conversation with somebody that's new to you. Remember, people are much more willing to talk than you are to initiate. And also remember that fine seldom means fine. It's scary. Ask God to help. That's what he's there for. Thirdly, look out. Watch for ways to build friendships. The scripture said, make the most of every opportunity. You know, spiritual antennas help us pick up on like interests, things that we have in common. When we have those spiritual uh, antennas up, we pick up on those things as you talk to somebody. You know, an invitation to a ball game, to a church function, maybe an invite to your house for dinner, all those things go a, a huge long way towards developing a relationship that's going to be blessed, blessing to both of you. Um, our, our friend Donovan, he was in early service and I didn't ask him if I could tell his story, but I don't care because he's big enough, he can handle it. So anyway, uh, Donovan is, has been dating our daughter Whitney and uh, Donovan up until this point has really had a frustrating family life has had a, uh, a spiritual life that was either non-existent or confusing enough that it really didn't make sense to him. And uh, after dating Whitney for a little while and her kind of pounding on him a little bit and, and his kind of feeling uh, an emptiness inside that he couldn't really identify, he began to ask some questions and, and she was able to touch him. And I, because Donovan likes to hunt and Donovan likes outdoors activities, I was able to invite him to some of the, how are the outdoors things, go hunting with him, talk about that kind of stuff, start palling around with him. And all of a sudden, you know, Donovan's calling me and texting me, hey, good news, I accepted Jesus Christ tonight in my heart. And now all of a sudden, he's here in church every single week because he begged his employer to change his work schedule. And now he's volunteering to greet out front. You know, when we keep those spiritual antennas up, hey, he has a like interest Hey, in that conversation, I picked up on the fact that fill in the blank and all of a sudden you can be able to touch somebody on purpose. Fourthly, look forward. Remember that God is in control. Remember, Jeff told this, said said this two weeks ago. He, He repeated it again last week. God is in control. The battle has already been won. Our responsibility is just to be faithful, right? To be full of faith. Now, have you ever tried to define for somebody the concept of faith? Think about that. If you were trying to, to, if somebody said, so what's faith? And you tried to explain it to them, what what would you use? How would you describe that? That's a hard thing to describe, right? I developed a definition for myself a few years ago. And uh, feel free to steal this if you want and claim it as your own. But I decided that faith for me was the ability to look forward to the hindsight, So think about that. Hindsight is what? 2020, right? So we can see things clearly in our hindsight when we look back onto something. So faith really is the ability to look forward with anticipation to the hindsight, to the time in which, okay, right now I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm scared. I'm faithless or I I don't see what's going on here. But I know with certainty That sometime in the future, I'm going to be able to look back and say, oh, so that's what you were doing, God. Oh, so that's why you had me talk to that person. Oh, so that's why you put that person in my path. Faith, the concept of faith is to be able to look forward with anticipation. I don't get it now, but I know that at some point I'll be able to look back and I'll be able to see what you were doing, God. And my job is just to be faithful, just to be a conduit. Just to be obedient. The battle's already been won. I don't have to fight for the battle. I have to fight until the battle or through it. Look forward. And lastly, look after. Stay close to those people to whom you're touching. Don't just do a hit and run. Stay close because remember that you also need a touch. Remember, there's a story behind every set of eyes, including your own, including my own. And so it behooves me, it behooves God's story to stay close to that person. Because I also need touched in return. And the two of us can bless one another, the two of us can touch one another continually. Jeff uh, said this the other week, uh, maybe even last week. And and I I agree wholeheartedly because I've thought about this throughout the... Several years anyway. He said something, I'll paraphrase here, but he said something to the effect that I don't want to, 40 years from now, look back and wonder if I had any impact. It, I don't know if scares me is the right term or what, but I personally, I'd, Kevin, I don't want to look back 40 years from now and go, so what was the big deal? I, I want... To look back and see a trail of touched people. I want to look back 40 years from now, 50 years from now, and say, oh, there's one. There's a guy that was touched. There's a gal that was touched. Oh, yeah, I remember I built into that person's life. And now she built into five others. And now he built into six others and there's this ripple effect that's following me. It's like a Doppler effect following my path. That's what I want to look. I don't have to be like Mr. Evangelism guy who like saves the world. God's not going to do that anyway, probably through me. And that's not what I desire. I want to look back and see a trail, just a little trail and a ripple effect and all these people that were touched. Not because Kevin was like a super guy. I was voted coolest east of the Rockies, but I I want to see it. I want God, God to work through just ordinary people and see this ripple effect. And the question for you this morning is what about you? Is that what you desire? Can you see God doing that through you? You know, Jeff also has talked many, 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 many times, and he'll say the same thing until the cows come home. He'll say that every person. Can touch. And just because I don't feel worthy, just because I'm not like, you know, whatever super Christian is irrelevant. God can work through every single one of us. Do you want to look back at the trail of people that you've touched? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this morning's time with you. I thank you for the challenge sometimes, which is, um, oh, makes me feel kind of icky inside because uh, I don't feel up to it. Sometimes that challenge feels really, really exciting, but every time it's it's with you that I want to go forward, and I want to touch people. And Jesus, I invite you to um, enter my thoughts, to enter my motivations. I give you permission to search my heart and to identify things that I may not have identified before. Jesus, I want to walk with you and I want you to walk with me shoulder to shoulder. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.